Hi everyone, welcome back to a special edition of Let's Chat. The reason why I said it's a special edition is because I had already pre-recorded episode 2, which I was going to release this week. However, with all the protests that is going on right now in the States, I didn't necessarily feel that what I was going to release was in line with how I'm feeling at the moment and obviously the climate of the world. So I will be releasing that episode next week, but I really wanted to talk about the protests that's going on, share a little bit about how I'm feeling, especially with everything, and obviously get into Blackout Tuesday that was yesterday. So bear with me and we'll get right into it. Let's chat. So let's get into the protest. Um, For those who have been hiding under a rock, there has been protest spread out across the U.S. and even globally now about the killing of an unarmed black man named George Floyd. However, the reason why there's just been such a renewed awakening and rage and anger of the system is because this is not a one-off. This is a series of events in where unarmed black victims are killed by the people who are meant to protect them and get no type of justice whatsoever. While we had George Floyd, and yes, he is kind of the face of this movement, recently Breonna Taylor was killed in her house by police officers who have yet to be charged. We have Ahmaud Arbery, who was just killed probably a week before George. And that's still up in the air. I mean, the way that black lives are being disregarded and have continuously been disregarded is devastating. As a black woman myself, who has dealt with racism, subtle and, you know, blatant, I get so angry inside when I see this because I have a older black brother. I have male cousins. I have uncles. I have friends. And any time a black man's life is taken by the hands of a white officer, I fear for them. And not only black men because with the likes of Breonna Taylor and Sandra Bland and all the other countless black female victims that we don't get to hear and they don't grace our new cycle. Those names are also forgotten but I also fear because that could be me. A traffic stop could be something in where I lose my life. Misidentification 
could be a reason why I'm harassed and potentially lose my life. What type of fear and in what type of world are we condoning that level of behavior? It absolutely makes me sick to my stomach. And when I saw the news about the protest, I was absolutely elated in my spirit, upset that we had to do this again, upset that we had to congregate as a collective to get the attention of people who ultimately decide whether or not we matter. And when I hear all lives matter, I really want to slap the mess out of whomever says it. Because to marginalize Black people even further, to then open up your mouth to say all lives matter, read the room. That is not what we're talking about here. We have not disregarded other people's lives. However, we are bringing attention that our lives in particular doesn't seem to matter. Why does that offend you so much that we call it out? Why do you feel the need to challenge that statement? It just irritates me. And the reason why it irritates me so much is because we are living in a society where Blacks have never gotten a fair advantage. Ever. Let's talk about slavery. Let's talk about apartheid. Let's talk about the civil rights movements. Let's talk about the lynching. Let's talk about the looting of Tulsa and the Black Wall Street, and police brutality, and corruption, and harsh penalties for crimes that we commit, that white people commit, yet we serve sentences longer, harsher, and deemed unfair. Let's talk about that. Let's highlight that, and let's Call a spade a fucking spade. Yet we don't. We don't. And I'm not talking about we, black people, because we do all the time. We are constantly on defense mode on why we are at a disadvantage, an unfair disadvantage, by the way. Yet, our white counterparts have created a narrative that soothes their souls. And it disturbs me that that narrative is generational and it is continuing. And until America decides, white America decides to finally address the elephant in the room and to look at themselves, we're not going to get anywhere. This is going to be a cycle. The world has a way of showing problems 
in different ways until we correct the issue. This will never go away. I pray to God that it will. But it won't until we finally address what is happening in the world today and how it's impacting Black Americans. Now, most people get it. Most people can clearly see the injustice, especially with George Floyd. Murder. However, when cases are not that clear-cut, there's always been a way of people justifying such behavior. And I don't understand how you can justify something unless deep down inside you have an unconscious racial bias or you're just racist. And it just really bothers me that white people hate to be called out. They hate it. They don't like to be called a racist, even though they are. They don't like to be called, you know, Karen, (laughs) even though they do Karen type shit. And that's, anyways, that's a completely different topic. I do not want to deviate. What I'm trying to say here is that I'm so happy that these protests are occurring across the globe and state by state. It's infuriating to see the president of the United States determine that military force is a better way to combat black rage, people's frustrations, people's hurt, instead of actually getting the culprits. Instead of actually trying to fix a system that was never meant to protect us in the first place. The energy that one takes to focus on looting rather than the reason why the looting has taken place. It it just it's just beyond me. I'm not here supporting looting. I don't think that's right. I think a lot of people come into things and have selfish motives. However, I completely understand that when you truly don't give a fuck and when you are so tired of being told constantly in many ways that your life doesn't matter, this brick and mortar store here doesn't matter to me. This impoverished community that I am tied to due to systemic racism through not guaranteeing loans or having higher interest rates or intentional systematic segregation of communities that has provided low-income people to be segregated and put into the worst areas, not having jobs or being criminalized and penalized for, for the same crimes that white people get off on without anything that devastates their criminal record, which impacts them on getting a job. 
these things that we have to deal with, when you are fed up, you will destroy anything. Any and everything. So I get it. I do. I get the frustration. I get the anger. I just get it. Because I felt it as well. Being so upset by mistreatment that you would want to burn a place and everything inside it down. I get it. I understand the hurt that one gets from the rejection of people due to the color of your skin. I get it. I understand how it feels to work so hard and feel like you are constantly running in place and you cannot progress further because the limitations that precede you due to your peers or upper management for whatever reason because of the color of your skin. I get that feeling. I get that rage. I, Lord knows, I get it. I truly do. And it's something that a lot of my black sisters and black brothers understand completely. And so when I go on social media and I go on CNN and I watch BBC and I see all of these things, I I get it. And I'm happy that this is happening. People are waking up and people are actually paying attention. And Blackout Tuesday was great to see. However, it also highlighted certain or lack of communication by my white peers or people that I consider white associates or white friends or white people that I know, whatever category that you want to classify them, there was a prevalence in silence from a majority of them for those who were actively involved in showcasing solidarity with, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and calling out social injustice. Thank you, because that is what an ally is supposed to do when someone who is a part of a majority can stand with the collective minority to call out issues that is affecting not only them, but everyone else. That's brilliant. Granted, that's what you're supposed to do as a normal human being. So I'm not going to applaud you for that, but I can definitely say thank you. Because it's not a problem when everyone is saying LGBTQT rights matter, they do. Or when women are coming to the front line and saying, 
We matter. Remove the pay gender gap. Everyone's, oh, yeah, 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 all love, yeah, let's do this. But the minute we put race into it, there's a divide. There's ones who are actively side by side, and there are ones that sit back and say, this ain't got nothing to do with me. Really? This has nothing to do with you? Are you sure? Are you sure? Because it has everything to do with you. Everything. If you think that you have no way of making a change, you are mistaken. Because you do. The privilege of your skin, irregardless of your class, irregardless of your background, irregardless of all the trials and tribulations you might have faced that you think that I am not privileged at all, your skin color will take you further than most accomplished black people or people of color. And that in itself says a lot. It says a lot. So you do have a voice in this. And if you know a person of color, especially a black person, and you claim to be their friend, or if you classify yourself as an associate, why can't you make a stand for something that you know will impact them? Why? Why don't you want to join that conversation? Ask yourself that. Because it just, I just can't understand why. If, especially if you say you're not a racist. Now, if you're a racist, you know, an undercover racist, then I get it. You won't be advocating for the rights of black people but if you claim that you are not racist what stops you from adding your voice and if you feel like you are not in a position to do so ask yourself why what makes you different that will allow you to sit back and say absolutely nothing. If you're uncomfortable posting on your social, why? This is a time to really sit back and reflect, guys, because I need to understand, and I don't even, I'm being selfish, I don't need to understand a goddamn thing. I want you to Truly figure out if I cannot lend my voice and I am a white person to a cause such as this, why? Now, if you say, I am not educated in the matter or I don't really know too much, what's stopping you from educating yourself? I'm waiting. What's stopping you? Google is our friend. 
okay? That is your first point of reference. If you have a black friend or if you have an associate, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, this is completely wrong, but I have no idea where to start, what to do. And that can foster a conversation. And granted, a lot of this is going to be uncomfortable for a lot of people because while we might live in a diverse world, there's a lot of segregation in play. I have noticed, especially my time here in the UK, and especially in certain areas in the UK where there's a lack of diversity, you might be the one person of color that these people may have been around or surrounded by. And a lot of them don't know what to do. Sometimes they f- they think like you're alien. It's just, it mind boggles me that because I don't have the same skin color as you, a lot of people automatically just cancel you out. Oh, we're going to have absolutely nothing in common. Have you even opened your mouth to to try and see? Have you? Have you spoken to that person on a human level like you would normally do if a person that looked like you? Have you tried to extend yourself to want to get to know someone who doesn't look like you? On a genuine level. And what I found out is, no, a lot of white people are comfortable in their spaces because they are the majority. They will never lack in spaces, whether that's in school, whether that's in their own neighborhood, whether that's at work, whether that's at social events, they will always be in a majority. 95% of the time unless they intentionally go into black spaces or spaces of color but most of the time they will always see somebody that looks like them or a handful of people that look like them and it will not be a problem for them but yet That need to extend themselves to get to know people of color, it all differentiates, especially women of color. And I just, it's just, I, I mean, there's so many emotions I have and I feel like I'm waffling and I'm rambling and I'm going from pillar to post because I, I'm upset. I am upset. And it's so funny because someone's asked me, you know, how is your experience being a black woman in the UK compared to US? And I had to be honest and it's no different. (laughs) It's no different. And Actually, some of my experiences here, 
I didn't even go through in the States. I probably was lucky enough. I had gone through it on some ways, but in other ways, I was in for a massive shock. Especially when it came um, to the workplace. Especially when it came to the workplace. I will tell you two instances where I had to deal with microaggression and subtle racism and um, blatant racism. Um, So at um, one of my um, places of work, um, I... I... I don't even know how to phrase this. I don't know. You know, I'm just going to fucking call a spade a spade. Um, yeah, from the get-go, it was instant. It was instant that I was um, not going to be a part of the group. Um, and the reason why I said this is because I had a white colleague who started out on the same day as me. Um, I'll call this white colleague, um, Sarah. Okay. Her name is not Sarah, but I'll just call her Sarah. And, um, so me and Sarah, we were, um, in the reception and, you know, we were really chatty Um, and I felt really good that I wasn't the only one starting on my own. And I remember, um, they walked us up stairs and they showed me where I was going to be sat. Um, they showed me who my line manager was going to be and they told me what project I was going to work on. Yada, yada, yada. Okay, cool. Um, nobody really spoke to me and I thought it was really odd, but I thought, okay, you know what? It's first, you know, first day, whatever, whatever. I remembered it was lunchtime and Sarah got asked to go to lunch. Nobody asked me to go to lunch. Mind you, I am new. Um... And I was absolutely shocked by that. And I was like, whoa, okay, this is a bit um, uncomfortable. No one really directed me where to go either. Like I had completely like just was like, oh my God, okay, so I'm going to go into, you know, this work cafeteria area on my own. Okay, that's a bit daunting, but you know what, Jennifer, you're a big girl. Let's do this. So I remembered um, I had sat down with two girls at the table who was working in my department. And they just looked so uncomfortable. And they were telling themselves that they were finishing up. Like they were just like, oh, um, I'm just finishing up. I'm just going to finish up my meal. I'm just going to finish up my meal. And I just sat there and I was just like, oh, okay, well, I'll finish up too. Thinking, oh, we'll all leave together. Whoop-de-whoop, la-da-da. No, that wasn't the case. So they pretended that they were finishing up their lunch. 
Um, and I had ended up leaving and going back to my desk. Um, 20, 25 minutes later, they came back to their desk. Everyone had come back from lunch. Um, mind you, this is first day. That set the tone. (laughs) That set the tone for that place. Granted, um, I had made some friends there and I had got on with quite a few people. Funny enough, they weren't in my department. Shocker. Um, because those people actually actively took out the time to get to know me. Um, my department, uh, no, it, I mean, my God, um, it was just, it was absolutely ridiculous. Like, it, it, it was so shocking that, um, that in a workplace where no one knew me, no one even actively tried to get to know me like that. Um, it was already determined that I would not fit in. I mean, there's so many countless um, examples I could give in the workplace. And there was one thing that made me really upset about the whole situation was that it always fell back on me. It always fell back on me. Instead of people taking accountability that other people were mistreating me and a lot of that mistreatment may have to do with race. Now, see, a lot of people don't want to toe that race line because they know exactly the minute that they call it out, they have to do something about it. A lot of people aren't ready to do that. So instead of making them and their mistreatment towards me a problem, I was now the problem. I was the antisocial. I was the one that didn't know how to um, be a team player. I was the one that, you know, um, was standoffish. I was, it was like, Okay, so why am I having one experience here that's negative, yet people in the same work place in a different department have experienced me quite differently? So why am I showing up the same way to two groups of people and I'm getting two different reactions? Why? And... I was met with blank stares. I was met with negative performance reviews. And a lot of my negative performance reviews, a lot of the time, didn't have anything to do necessarily with my work. And the work that was highlighted to be an issue always fell down to problems with other coworkers, whether it was intentionally leaving me out not keeping me in the loop, not sharing, not communicating, not working together. All of these issues that could impact someone's work or can be reflected in a negative way was all there. And it was just absolutely mind-boggling that not only did I have to deal with 
through actual work itself, I had to prepare myself every time I go into work because now you're playing with my livelihood. And instead of calling out the mistreatment that I am dealing with, and funny enough, a lot of them won't call it out because they're doing and perpetrating the same behavior. I am not a problem. And instead of firing me because you have you don't have a leg to stand on because I can come back and say, listen, I have been mistreated X, Y, and Z, and this be- could become a criminal proceeding, you are forced out. You're forced out. You're gaslighted. You're giving horrible, you know, reviews. You're not getting your bonuses. You're not getting any type of promotion. You know, you are now labeled as somebody who's not great to work with. Nobody wants to be a part of, you know, kind of the the black X target. Don't, 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 don't get wrapped up with this person. Or you're just told that you don't know what the fuck you're doing when you clearly do know. But people don't talk to you to understand or want to understand. So that's one way that racism can show up. And can you imagine having to endure that every day to get a petty check, to take care of yourself and to not explode, to not feed into that narrative of being an angry black woman, to hold it in, to rise above when they go below. Do you understand what that takes? Oh no, because they want to see you crying. They want to see that their level of mistreatment is hurting you. And when you don't give it to them, oh my God, it infuriates them and it actually emboldens them to continue that level of treatment. (laughs) I won't even go into what I've been told about myself, which is completely false. If anyone who actually is close to me and actually knows me, when I was absolutely out of bullshit. But that's what you see some of this protest is about. Because it's not only dying at the hands of police officers, it's dealing with injustice everywhere. Because it impacts your lives in so many ways. So that's my one example about dealing with subtle racism or microaggressions, if we want to be politically correct, um, in the workplace. Now, let me tell you where I dealt with blatant racism. Um, So it was the confirmation that Great Britain, UK, was going to be leaving the European Union. I remember this so clearly. I went into the supermarket to pick up um, a few items. I think I had just come back from work. I don't know exactly what was taking place, but I was in the supermarket. And I was in an aisle and I was looking for something. What I don't know. And there was a family of four, two young children, a mom and a dad. And they were looking at me 
They were looking at me and I did not make any eye contact. I knew that they were looking at me, but I was not going to give them that satisfaction of actually granting them, you know, what they wanted. Um, so I kept it moving. I acted like I didn't know them. I didn't see them. Um, and I heard them say, so fucking happy about Brexit. Can't wait. And I didn't hear the rest because I was moving further away. And all I heard was monkey noises. And I stopped dead in my tracks. I stopped. I stopped. And I had to tell myself, breathe, 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 breathe. Because I was so close to catching a case in that supermarket. I was going to yoke everyone up. From the youth to the mandam. Like, I was infuriated i said monkey who me oh hell no and the minute i stopped the fear that had washed over them and they literally scampered from that aisle like cockroaches once a light turns on and I thought, wow, so you were bold enough to fix that stupid mouth of yours. But the minute that you knew that you were about to be met with some type of reaction, you fled like the coward that you are. And the fact that you were raising your children at that young age to believe in the level of ignorance that you had, I was floored. I was absolutely floored and I was absolutely disgusted. And I sat there and I just said to myself, wow. So we have the rhetoric of Bush, not Bush, sorry, what the fuck? We have the rhetoric of Trump saying, make America great again. And we have this whole rhetoric here in the UK about make Britain, Britain again. And anyone who didn't look British, white British, was deemed a problem. And I decided, I said, do you know how much I fucking pay to live here? In terms of visa fees? Just to live here. And if... Wow... And scenarios like this is not uncommon at all. And for my white listeners, if I have any, I just need you to know that what you see on TV and what you see on socials and what you hear in the news cycle has nothing to do with just the killing of an unarmed black man. Yes, that plays a part. But there are many countless other George Floyds. And yet America stays silent 
on those issues. When it comes to racism in workplaces and being the only black person in white spaces and the issues that arises in those areas and the mistreatment and the disrespect and the other countless feelings of rejection, anxiety, stress that comes with the territory. When you see the shouting, the crying, the looting, the anger, the rage, understand that is accumulation of years of oppression, of disregard, of disrespect, of ignorant and downright hatred towards black Americans and blacks all over the country, all over the globe. That is why we say black lives matter. That is why we go on the streets and we protest. And the importance of your voice and being an ally is momentous in times like this because your voice can change that narrative and you can start within your friendship groups. You can call out the ignorance. You can call out the racism. You can question your peers. Question your family. Have these conversations. Call it out and say it's not right. It's wrong. When you see it in the workplace, become an ally. Use your voice. Because being silent is being complicit. If you haven't spoken out at all during this last week, please ask yourself why. If you feel uncomfortable listing or using your platform to stand up for justice, ask yourself why. If you don't feel comfortable posting about any of this stuff that is taking place, but you're comfortable about posting about LGBTQT rights, about women's rights, about climate change, fucking ask yourself why. Ask yourself. Start that dialogue. And then Hopefully, we can see a change in the world where we can all collectively say all lives matter and fucking mean it. Whew. Right. I had to get that out. But anyways, thank you guys for listening once again to Let's Chat Podcast. Keep your heads up, guys. Keep your heads up. It's really hard at the moment now. We're dealing with COVID-19. We're dealing with social injustice. This is a trying time, but we are strong in numbers. We are strong together. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
That is the greatest and most important commandment if you believe in that. And if even if you don't, the philosophy of loving somebody else like your own is massively important because we need to kill this hate. And the only way to do it is if we stand up, we speak out, and we come together as one. So on that note, guys, I'll see you on next week's episode of Let's Chat.